is take those risks, put yourself out there a little outside your comfort zone where it's hard and just go for it because the only limits that really exist are the limits in our mind. This is episode 12 with a woman who knows no limits, Annie Bauer. Welcome to Take Command with Paul Gowan. I am a Mustang Marine turned international leadership consultant. Each time we come together, I bring you inspiring people and messages to help you take command of your relationships, your time, and your finances so that you are free to lead the life you want. More than taking action, greater than empowerment, take command of your life. Starting in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. O.R. Melling said, when you come to the edge of all that you know, you must believe one of two things. Either there will be ground to stand on or you will be given wings to fly. And this episode is all about believing in yourself. Annie Bauer is an optimist, certified coach, and educator who overcame struggle and adversity to rise to her best and highest self after years of trial and error. She believes in human potential and our ability to become better versions of ourselves. Annie has taken what she has learned that changed her life and developed systems and coaching that gets results so that she can now turn around and offer other women a hand up by helping them build lives and businesses they love, even if they're scared or doubt themselves. In this conversation, don't worry guys, you can take notes on everything that Annie has to share as well. And you're gonna hear about the surprising story of how she helped to rebuild a 12th century castle in France. <laughs> I know you're gonna love this conversation. And if you're, that so if you're someone that pushes past your limits, then this is an episode for you. And if you know someone in your life who is feeling stuck and compressed by a low ceiling of potential, then send them this conversation. Be that hero, be that hero, be that champion in someone else's life and send them this message. You can check it out on anywhere that you have uh, your podcast or check out the show link, paulgowan.com slash 012. Start a conversation, hold them accountable, challenge each other to grow. That's what this is all about. This can be an absolute powerful episode for you and the people that you love and trust the most. Connect, have the conversation, grow together. Let's jump into today's conversation with Annie Bauer. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this Take Command conversation. You are in for a treat because I have my friend, my colleague, someone who I look up to Annie Bauer in the house. Annie, thank you so much for joining me today. You are so welcome. I'm so excited to be here, Paul. Thank you. We, we, we talked before, uh, and one thing I, I didn't remember to ask you was, when did we meet? <laughs> it feels like I've known you for like several years in the greatest way possible, but really it hasn't been that long. It's, you know, I was looking that up. And it's interesting you should ask me that because I'm thinking it was around 2016, maybe 2017. And it was yeah. out in California at yeah. one of the events. 
Yeah, we met through uh, our friend and mentor, uh, Brennan Burchard, high performance coach. And uh, we met at uh, a certification, recertification. Uh, people all around the world were there. And it was just such a great uh, opportunity to meet you and, and start to get to know you. And then to be able to ask you to come on the show. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. I'm excited to be here. So Take Command Conversation, it, it focuses on how do people take command in times of chaos? Chaos is any time that change happens. So you could be this great opportunity. You just got promoted. You got a new parking spot. You got the corner office. And it could also be those times where you're knocked back on your heels, maybe knocked back uh, onto your butt. Mm-hmm. Maybe a time that you know you feel like I'm down and people, well, they keep kicking. I just, just let me catch my breath so I can get up and I can go face this. And right now with the, the role that social media plays in our businesses, being able to share content, being able to share inspiration, motivation, productivity tips, uh, social media is this necessary aspect for, for many people's businesses. Sometimes though, there's a, a perception skewing like this person that we see like on your website, it, such a beautiful website, the fabulous pictures. Uh, you have the, the greatest hat and your hair looks so like, I don't know how that all happened. Absolutely amazing. But then because people will see that, these professionally produced pictures, these professionally built web pages, professional level of service, that there can be a skewing in the perception of, well, Annie just has all her shit together. She doesn't understand where I'm coming from. She doesn't know what's going on. She can't identify with my problems because look at her. She, her hair is gorgeous, even with a hat on. (laughs) How do you, is this something you see? Like, do you see and feel some of this, these differing perspectives that people have because of utilizing social media as a tool to be able to reach more people? I do, Paul. And that's, that's a really good question. Um, I try to keep it real though. And I try to tell in my story that I've been there too, that I struggle. And then when I'm on social media, a lot of times my, my pictures on social media will be me with no makeup and I don't have it all together and it's not perfect. Um, but I do think we have to be really, really careful. And I think that this is something that is a huge issue in uh in the 21st century and then since the last what 10 12 years that we've had social media is that we look through the lens of social media as if that is reality if that is as if that's real life for that person that we see and then we're using this as a gauge to evaluate ourselves and we think that everyone out there is living this perfect life and then we look at ourselves and we think what's wrong with me that my life Mm. doesn't look that perfect and we have to remember that those are the highlight reels yeah we're putting out the very best version of ourselves the day that we had the makeup artist and the hairstylist and the beautiful clothing and the professional photographer and i think i make it a point when I'm appearing for my people, say like in a Zoom live or in a training, a lot of times I have no makeup on 
and my hair is in a ponytail because I want them to see that I'm showing up as a real person. And one of the things I think is so important in emotional intelligence and self-awareness is to show up authentic and vulnerable. So not just showing up as that surface level, got it all together, beautiful website, beautiful social media, but to show up authentic and vulnerable. And when we do, that's more than what we see on the outside. It's really showing our heart and really showing up to serve and really showing up as a real human being. And interestingly enough, authenticity and vulnerability are the qualities of a leader. Perfection is not a quality of a leader. Authenticity and vulnerability is so important. Um, So I try to make that bridge. It's definitely there. And I think oftentimes if we are leading, there is a misperception from the public of, wow, she's got it all together. She's got the perfect life. When in fact that I, I don't. And, and I love being able to share that with my audience of, I'm struggling just like you sometimes. And I'm figuring it out just like you. I'm on this human journey just like you. But I'm with you and we're going to do this together. And, and I think that's the bridge. That's the answer to what looks like perfection And what's reality is just showing up authentic and vulnerable and real and being willing to say, I don't have it all figured out. It's not perfection rocking on over here, but we're going to figure this out together. And I think that's so important. That's such a great question. Uh, I'm glad because that's as good as it's going to (laughs) get. The rest of the questions are garbage from here on out. (laughs) I. If you are listening to this right now, if you do not have a notebook, pause this. I have already taken a half a page of notes off of what you said in, in, in the first question, Annie, that authenticity and vulnerability are qualities of a leader because I've, I've seen uh, military leadership. The Marine Corps really teaches leadership from the first moments that you show up as, uh, as a recruit at one of the recruit depots or as an officer candidate over in Quantico. And I saw the travesties and some of the absolute, like highest abuses of authority when people were not authentic, were not vulnerable. Uh, Just ahead of this uh, conversation today, I I reconnected with a Marine I served with 20 years ago. And he goes, Paul, you're a completely different person than I remember. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I thank you. I'm not running from my past anymore to be bigger, better, faster, stronger. I'm not denying that. It's through that authenticity, through that vulnerability that I'm able to connect with you today. Uh, so Annie, that, that wraps up the show. It's been great. <laughs> see you next week, Paul. Yeah, see you, see you next week. <laughs> how, how do you stay focused on the future, be authentic with your audience, uh, and not dwell on the past? Be able to say, you know what? I can identify with where you're coming from. You, you had your own experience. I don't know what that was. I can identify with that and not be like some of these, ah, some of these people, they, they, just, they grab their phone and they're like, let me tell you what, 
this one time when I was two years old and then I was three and then this happened to me when I was four and it's just like, ah, next swipe, no, block. Right, exactly. So there's an important balance for people that are wanting to share their message, that are wanting to share their truth. There's a balance with that freedom of expression with a responsibility for the context. You and I have both had some relationships that no longer are parts of our lives. Whatever shape those may have taken, how do you build on the lessons that you learned from those relationships, be able to identify and share that with your audience and the people that you serve while facing the future? That was probably the biggest run-on sentence in the history of, of English. <laughs> I hear the question in there, okay. though, Paul. <laughs> okay, hit me with your best shot. Okay. Oh, that's that's an old song. It's before remember your that? time. It's before yeah. your time. Hit me with your best. No, yeah. I remember that one very well. <laughs> it's on my oldies playlist. It was before my time. Um, so here's my answer to that. We must learn to embrace the lessons of our past but not live there so we must be grateful and I, and this is so hard so for all of our listeners out there i realize when i say this that there's going to be somebody out there rolling their eyes saying yeah that's what are you talking about this is not possible you don't know what's happened to me what we go through is teaches us lessons and all of us have some sort of mess or struggle or relationship issue from our childhood or when we were teenagers in high school a teacher or a parent or maybe it was a love interest at some point in our lives or maybe it was a series of things that happened across our lives where we just think how can i get out of this and this is what happened to me, and I'm never gonna get beyond this. And the whole key is to look at this as a lesson in wisdom and embrace what it taught you and embrace the fact that you're still here and live in the present. present. So embrace the past and live in the present and use that wisdom from the past to live a better present and a better future. Mm -hmm. So as Tony Robbins and Dean Graciosa, you hear them say this, the mess is in the message. The mess, mm -hmm. you know, the, um, your message is in the mess that you lived. And when we stop playing the victim and stop fighting against what happened to us in the past and realize that there's power in that, because we're stronger, but there's also power in that to be able to go out into the world and help others and be more compassionate, be more empathetic. So it's the lessons that we learn from our past. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember, I was reading this the other day, and I don't know if it was a Buddhist saying, but you hear it all the time, is the whole key is that when, you're, when you get knocked down seven times, to get up eight. Yeah. And that's really the whole key in life is to keep getting up. But to something else that you mentioned in, in your question, 
Playing the victim never helps us get further in our present or in our future. Mm -hmm. So when we say things like, but you don't know what happened to me. This happened to me when I was two, or this happened to me in my marriage, or this happened to me in this relationship. But, 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 but we hear this all the time, right? Yeah. And you mentioned it. That is playing the victim. Yeah. And what we're realizing is that we're robbing ourselves of the present and of the future when we keep playing the victim from the past. And, and please know, if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, and, and when Annie's talking about playing the victim, and if it maybe feels like your stomach just got turned into knots, lean into that. As I started facing the truth of some of the things that happened in my past, I, I was raped when I was about four years old, the physical, verbal, emotional abuse growing up in an abusive home, and then uh, in, in the school system that I grew up in. It was as though I was justifying my continued behavior of that hurt, scared little boy. And it, when I look back, I'm like, oh yeah, I was definitely playing that role because I had an opportunity. Instead of being defined by my past, I could be informed by my past. And it wasn't until I started playing the role of leader playing the role of survivor, playing the role of thriver, because both of us have this, uh, this play with words that we, we go past survive into thrive. Uh, I play those cards now. And when things pop up, I, I, and I use the, the language, just like you said, as a red flag. When I start saying this happened to me, but you don't understand, this happened to me. Uh, whoa immediate stop, start taking a look at, am I telling this story because it continues to define me and I'm justifying my current behavior? Or am I telling this from a a place of that informs how I got here? Mm -hmm. Part of the story that you told me was uh, about chucking hay bales (laughs) on a cattle ranch as a single mother in the middle of the great state of Texas. Now, are you originally from Texas? I was born in Texas in Amarillo. Because I haven't heard one honey or sugar or, or bless your heart. I haven't heard one of those yet. So I, da- I, I, darling. <laughs> growing up as a woman in Texas and then being a single mother running a cattle ranch, what were some of the things that the life lessons, like if you were to come down to like three truths that that experience taught you, especially as you were raising kids, what would you say those lessons would be? And are you thinking specifically from my time when I was running the ranch or just in general? Maybe just in general. I, I'm attracted to that uh, Chuck and hay bales because growing up in <laughs> Eastern Montana, Montana and Texas are fairly uh, similar cultures. Uh, just Texas doesn't do winter. <laughs> That's right. We, we just do really, really hot. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, yeah, I'd be interested to know, like, growing up as that woman in Texas, balancing both being the, the bell and the beast, because if you're going to go out and chuck 100 hay bales in a day, uh, that's beast mode. 
but then you come back and you're going to be mothering your children. You're going to be these unique aspects of being a woman in Texas. How did you bring all of these pieces together and, and what were the big lessons that you learned? I love this question. Um, the, the first thing, and, and it's interesting because now that I, as I've become a coach and have really spent years studying neuroscience and human behavior and coaching and psychology is that now I know that one of the biggest qualities that's a predictor for someone's success is grit. So I don't know if you've ever read Angela Duckworth's yeah, book, Grit. Great book. And that resonated with me so much is that word grit or tenacious mm -hmm. of I learned at a really early age, even growing up on a farm in Missouri at 10 years old, I was already driving a tractor and I would drive the tractor raking the hay while another tractor came behind me bailing the hay. And did hard work. And then when I had the ranch in Texas, I would even be out there building fence in July when it was 105 degrees. And 105% humidity. Right, exactly. Like just melt me and lay me out like a crayon on the sidewalk. Yeah. Um, grit is something that helps us weather through life no matter what life it throws at us. And if there was anything, if there are parents listening out there, if this is something that you can teach your children, this will be the most valuable lesson that you'll teach your children, is not to be afraid of hard work, to be tenacious. So grit comes out of living in an environment like Texas, which you said is like Montana. It's, um, it's not for the faint of heart and, and, and you know, it's for the renegade and the, the do it yourself or the person who wants to really go out there and weather the elements and um, do hard work. Grit is so important. And then the second thing is not to be afraid of hard work. Um, I'm not afraid of being an entrepreneur or being a coach or putting an offer out there because I always know I'll be able to provide my, for myself and my family because I'm not afraid of hard work or manual labor. There'll always be a way for me to put food on the table. And I think that's a huge lesson too. Uh, the third thing I would say as a single mom on a ranch out there driving a tractor and riding horses and helping calves be born and breaking ice off of the it actually does we actually do get some winter in texas so i remember breaking ice off of the uh the water tanks in the winter time is believe in yourself that you can do way more than you think that you can because i look back and i look back now paul and i think how did i do that I honestly can't really almost break it down is how did I end up as a single mom on, you know, 60 acres with 25 head of cattle and animals everywhere and two kids and raising kids and, and getting them all the way to through high school into college by myself 
and you're, you'll be amazed when you put yourself to the test, when you put yourself in difficult situations, you'll be amazed that you're made of more than you think that you are. Mm. You have way more potential and way more can do in you than often you even realize. So that would be my third message is take those risks, put yourself out there a little outside your comfort zone where it's hard and just go for it because the only limits that really exist are the limits in our mind. I need a bigger notebook. (laughs) (laughs) And if you are listening to this and you, I'm going to explain what Annie's face did when she says, and as a single mother, because you had a choice there. You could say like, well, this happened to me and as a single mother. And if you're listening to this, I I encourage you, go to YouTube, watch this portion of the interview because Annie's face, your your face completely lit up. You're like, as a single mother, let me, wow. How, you, you, you speak another language, don't you? I do. How did you know that? I'm creepy that way. You've been, you've been I do, out there. I do homework on my guests. What are you, you come been, on. You've been out there sneaking around on me. Paul. Well, it, it's on LinkedIn. It's a great place oh, to see yeah. how you're serving. Yeah. And you, uh, you and I were talking uh, business on the, the, the screening interview. And you said LinkedIn is a great place that you're able to really get in and target those business professionals to say, hey, I am here to serve. So yeah, on Annie Bauer's LinkedIn page, scroll to the bottom for experiences, hit show more, hit show more. On like the fifth or sixth time of show more experiences, it's going to come up with a castle that I don't speak French. Tell, tell us the name of that castle. The castle, let's see, I'm trying to think. I haven't La, looked at that La in a Sabran while. And, okay, and, so and, I... <laughs> Oh, I love this. I love this story. So, La Sabrenanque. There it is. And I lived in in Saint-Victor-le-Coast, and I did restoration of medieval architecture while living in a really old medieval castle. Now, that sounds glamorous, but let me tell you how this went down. Yes! (laughs) We lived on army cots with army blankets, we often didn't have any hot running water and there is a wind that comes down off the Alps and sweeps through Provence, the Provence region, and then comes across the Rhone river and hits San Victor Lacoste. Like you've never felt a wind like this cold, bitter wind wind. This was a 12th century castle with little tiny, tiny windows, I guess where they used to lob rocks out of them to, I don't know, in the feudal system, but there were small windows, thick stone, stone floors, and it was so cold that the joke was is that going to take a shower in cold, cold water in that cold air, that in and of itself was an element of bravery. And then we would get out with our wheelbarrows and we would truck up mountains and we would go in and start repairing cathedrals and churches and buildings in this uh in the restoration of the architecture but using only the methods that were used in that time period so get out 
Nothing automated. No jackhammers. No, no, no jackhammers. No hose. No. Nope. Get your wheelbarrow and truck up and down from the river in the valley all the way up the mountain to bring it up with your your hose and your spades and your trowels and dig all of the overgrowth off of an old building and then retrowel all of the the um the stonework that was an amazing adventure out of five of us that went only three of us stayed it, it was so difficult that two people just said i'm out see uh, you later cold showers cold castle cold wind uh no no I'm yeah not. exactly exactly so i have had some experience a couple experiences like that living in france and that's how i learned how to speak french it's 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 a little rusty but it still gets me by is the French language still really sexy as you're hiking water in a wheelbarrow up the side of a mountain, or do you start letting out some more colorful oh, words in the French? Oh, I, le I learned some good French <laughs> slang, and it's still sexy. I think is French it? French is sexy no matter what. You can even if say, you're getting cussed out. <laughs> exactly, you could be cursing yourself because you just dropped a rock on your foot, and it still sounds sexy. I don't yeah. know what it is. Yeah. When you got to study another culture, because you're not going to show up cold and learn the French language as you're, as you're hiking water up the side of a mountain, you, you study the language, you have an aspect of the culture with that language being the window into the, the soul of a culture. And then you go live it. Not, not only like live it, you go work it. You work to restore a national treasure for the people of France that's hundreds of years old. In living and immersing yourself in this other culture with a different worldview from a different era, because 12th, 12th century castle, we're talking about crusades. Mm -hmm. Like, let's, let's throw it back a little bit here. What were some of the big lessons you learned by, by leaving your country in which you were born, the, the culture, the isms, the paradigms, the stereotypes, and then you go to a completely different related culture, because we're all cousins, related culture. What were some of the big things that stood out to you that you learned from over there? Oh, that's such a great question. Under warranty. Was, we're only going to ask good questions for the rest of the show. We're on a roll. I know. So. <laughs> I know. I mean, you just keep blowing me away. It's like, wow, that one got better than the last one. <laughs> Uh, so, so first of all, I have to say this, I had spent some time in Paris before that and where I was doing restoration was completely different. It was a tiny little village. I couldn't even find it on a map. Um, I had to go buy a special map from somewhere to even find this village. Cause this was actually before the days where we could Google everything on Google earth. And then they picked me up at the train station and this weathered old man with long gray hair and a long gray beard and old work clothes came shuffling up to me and wanted me to get in his truck with him at the train station. G Gandalf and showed up to pick you up. <laughs> exactly. And so I'm thinking to myself, I hope this is the right person because there's no internet. There's no cell phones. I'm about to go to a town I can't even find on the map. So if I get in the truck with the wrong person, they're probably never going to see me again. So we go out to the truck. Oh, I have to smokes. tell this whole story, Paul. Yeah, yeah. So we go out to the truck. 
to start the truck, he goes around to the front of the truck and cranks it up. No. Like no. old World War II. Yes. So that right there. Now, this was not... <laughs> this in and of itself is the beginning of the story that tells you that the world I was about to step into was different even for the French people. Yeah. Um, we lived more... I hate to use this word because it wasn't like, a, I mean, it was like a kibbutz or commune, but that's not why, why we were there. But we had people from all over the world there. So there was a, a poet from Morocco, from Northern Africa, who was there, who was actually had been banned from his country, couldn't go back to his country because of the political poetry he had written. So he was kind of a, a man with no, no country, a man with no home. There were artists who came down from Paris. Uh, it, there were just people who came in from all over the world. And then we would go out when we weren't doing restoration. We would go to Italy or we would go into the Alps or we would go stay at homes uh, of friends and we would learn how French cheese was made. So it was a rich experience on so many levels and it was not like going to Paris to study abroad at the university and stay in a dorm by any stretch of the imagination. I would say, and I, I have said this, I've said this actually publicly, I tell people travel a lot and meet lots of people from other cultures, go live in other countries if you can, study other country, cultures and countries because I learned so much about me, but I learned so much about all the different threads of humanity and how we're so different, but all woven together. Um, I learned a different language. I learned different food. I learned different cultures from all over the world, not just France. And actually I was really, really sad when it was time to go home. And for probably six months after I got back to the United States, I felt homesick for France. And I think looking back, Paul, that it was because from such an early age, I loved being in a place where there was so much diversity and so many people from so many different backgrounds because the lessons I learned made my life so much richer. That was, that's not probably my biggest takeaway. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Uh, the military is a cross section of our country, and being able to go from you know eastern Montana, where I grew up, in the biggest city that has over a hundred thousand people in the city now, um, and boy, they are so proud. <laughs> <laughs> Billings, Montana, we are huge. They're rocking it, right? Yeah, they are. They're so proud of it. Uh, and then I, I I I go down to boot camp. I, I faced some of the first racism. Uh, I, I was called names that I didn't even know what they meant. I was called a, a cracker. I mean, mm -hmm. I was called a Quaker cracker. And I just was like, wait a minute, what? What? And so I, I got to see all of it. The diversity, the different expressions, the different language, the different cultures, the different beliefs, uh, the different discriminations that people have. And for me, it was one of those pieces that ensured that in the, the words of Dr. King, 
I do my best to judge people on the content of their character mm-hmm. and not the, the pigmentation of their skin, their eye color, whether they have a penis or not, whether you came from Billings or Laurel, whether you grew up cheering for the Giants or the Jets, like all of that is so superficial that if I take the time to learn about you and ask, well, what did you learn as you were hiking, hiking stones up the side of a mountain, restoring a 12th century? What? Like, there's no way I can do that if I focus on your website, your social media, or if I just focus on what I see in front of me, if, I, if you're a stranger on the street. With everything that we have going on in our world right now, Annie Bauer's top three tips for moving past that first blush of perception. Like how do you really get in and learn about a person? What would you say those steps are? Number one, don't make assumptions. And I actually heard Brendan Burchard say this recently and it's, it's worth quoting. If you're going to make an assumption about anyone, assume that they've been through some sort of struggle, pain, or heartache in their lives, no matter what they look like, no matter where they're from. So if you're going to make any assumptions at all, assume that. Making assumptions about people hurts us, but it hurts the other person and, and I think that's important to know that it's not just the other person you're hurting with the assumption, but you're hurting yourself because you're depriving yourself of a richer experience with that person, a rich relationship and connection and an ability to learn about yourself. Number two, I would say always presume good intent. So presume when you're interacting with people and especially people not like you, but this can be for your team members. This can be in your relationships, your spouse, your partner, your children. We have a negativity bias psychologically in our brains where we're scanning the environment because, and if this is when we're working with the brainstem part of our brain, not our frontal cortex, that our negativity bias says look for the environment look in the environment for survival and so look for the things that might harm you but if we use some higher level thinking and we presume good intent then we look at the world and say i'm going to assume or presume that this person has a good intention for the way that they're presenting a story or the way they're showing up at work, or the way they're showing up in a relationship. So first thing, don't make assumptions. Second thing, always presume good intent. The third thing, lead with your heart, not your mind. And if you're watching the video, you can see I'm sitting in front of a bookcase. I probably have four times this amount of books in my house. So for someone who <laughs> loves knowledge, loves to read, um, and I can be very cerebral, I have to remind myself, all three of these things I'm reminding myself of daily too, is lead with your heart. See the world with your heart, not your mind. 
look at problems with your heart, not just your mind. Your mind could be a good asset to bring in data and facts and logic, but lead with your heart. Those are my three tips. I, I, I'm inspired. I'm awe, awestruck. I'm gobsmacked right now. Um, Love that word. Right? Gobsmacked. <laughs> gobsmacked. Uh, I have I have seen what happens when people refuse to communicate. And they refuse to look at the similarities and they focus so much on the differences that they are willing to fight and kill each other over those differences. And that only has one ending. Like if you focus on the differences and you're going to fight somebody because they're different than you, goodbye human race. We are 99.99% identical in our DNA. I celebrate that overlap. I celebrate the commonality. And when we hit that 0.01%, I am curious. I am fascinated and I'm grateful because I already know that I dance with two left feet. If everybody was the same and we were inbred to another like, extreme level, I would literally have two left feet. I'd rather just dance like I have two left feet or garden like I have 10 thumbs and not actually have that as a problem. I, I really appreciate that ability to, to gain that perspective. Uh, and if you're listening to this, please make sure you're taking notes. Annie, you're on a mission. Who are you focused on serving now? I am passionate about helping women. And as I went down the journey of who's my audience, who do I love working with the most, I, I, I was attracted to the idea of empowering women as I saw women out there struggling in unique ways that men don't struggle. Um, because of centuries of just not always having equality and there being a different perception of women and women struggling with uh, the nine-to-five workplace in the corporate environment differently than men do. And then we also have the added responsibilities of, of children. And the Dalai Lama said in 2009, and I believe it was out in British Columbia, maybe Vancouver, he said, Western woman will save the world. And that might be a paraphrase of that. And I thought about that for a while. And at the time he was attacked a little bit for that because they thought he was taking a feminist stance. But really, that's where my heart lies. That's the legacy that I want to leave. And here's what I believe him to have meant is that Western woman or any woman in an industrialized nation or a nation where women do have more rights, maybe not full equality, but more rights. We have the right to vote or we have the right to hold jobs or own property or travel as we wish or leave our borders without permission. 
we have the ability to impact women all across the world who don't have those rights. And from an interesting perspective is that I believe in all of us, we have um, feminine and masculine energy. And this doesn't have anything to do with sexual orientation or gender. This is feminine and masculine energy in all of us. So when you referred, when you were asking me about being on the ranch and going out and <clears throat> building fence and chucking hay bales and then coming back in and being the nurturing mom, that's a perfect representation of embracing feminine masculine energy in, in all of us. Women have some unique characteristics in their feminine energy that if they can pull those out, I believe that these are the qualities that will help save the world. Compassion, empathy, caring, nurturing. We're even seeing that in a lot of female leaders around the world today, um, that they are approaching problems in a different, a different way. So the leader of New Zealand's an example. The leader of Germany is a, another example. And so my focus is on empowering female entrepreneurs to become leaders in their communities, in their states, in their countries, and then turn around and use their income to impact the world. And I really, truly, I'm truly convinced that empowering women across the world, and my way of doing it is empowering female entrepreneurs, is going to be one of the keys towards turning the world towards a different future. Um, I'm very passionate about it. I love the women I work with. Uh, I'm really super excited to see what happens in the next decade as, as women move forward and, and take their place and, and step up to the plate as leaders all across the world. I, uh, I love every ounce of that. Uh, for quite some time now, I've, I've uh, said that I, I, I believe that personal development started with women. This shared knowledge of how to have one generation be better than the next by working on yourself. I think that that was something that women started advocating and discussing long before men got in the game. And, I, and we can take a look through anthropology and just see uh, perhaps that was the division of labor. Perhaps it's perhaps it's more like of a biological function of things like childbirth. <laughs> yeah, you're you're gonna bring a baby human into the world. There's going to be some awareness of that personal development of, yep, this is going to pass if you listen and all of these different birthing techniques. I think that women have this this wisdom that has been shared from one generation to the next. Uh, and it, it will save the world. Uh, I, I love your mission. So if you're a, a, a woman entrepreneur or you know a woman entrepreneur who wants to take a different look based on this amazingly unique perspective from Annie Bauer, take a different look on how to grow themselves, their, their relationships, their businesses, uh, start or scale a business. Uh, how can people get in touch? contact with you, Annie. I am everywhere across all social media platforms. Instagram and Facebook is where I hang out a lot at the Annie Bauer, but uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, I'm on all those platforms. I'm learning TikTok, Paul. 
I used to think you're going to go, you're going to do it. I thought TikTok was for like 13 year olds. Now I'm finding out that TikTok's a great place to hang out and I'm very yeah. intrigued. So in the future, I'll be there at, at the Annie Bauer as well, but across all social media platforms at the Annie Bauer, that's B-A-U-E-R. Are you, are you going to do the little dancing thing on TikTok? Is that- I don't know. I, you know, there, I have a crazy side. I'm very much an introvert, but for people who know me really well and my daughter, especially, uh, man, I have a crazy side. <laughs> I have a fun, humorous, I love to play practical jokes. Uh, I believe having fun and finding the humor in life is so important. So maybe TikTok's a good place for me to hang out. It sounds like a good fit. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds like it was made for you. I love this. I love this. Uh, so theanniebauer.com or let's see, the Annie Bauer on all social media, anniebauer.com, B-A-U-E-R. Go and check out what she has. She will, uh, you're also, uh, create a unique, uh, offer a special download and we'll have that in the, the show notes as you are, um, preparing that. Uh, so a couple final questions as we're, as we're wrapping up here, I, I wish I could do this forever. Uh, we are running a little short on time now. Uh, so the, the, the first final question uh, is inspired off of, uh, it's from a combat veteran who around that same time that that castle was built, uh, he was involved in some combat operations in Europe. And he later um, abandoned uh, being in war and really just changed his life to focus on peace and giving and, uh, and, and love. And the question that was asked of him that I, I want to ask of you today is that if you found out, let's say tomorrow morning, you find out that tomorrow is your final day on this planet, what would you do? I live in the mountains uh, in Western North Carolina. And I think I would go to Max Patch. It's this absolutely beautiful place. And it's a field. So a lot of the mountains here are covered in a temperate rainforest. So you walk up through the forest and you're walking up through the trees and the shade. And it breaks out into this beautiful meadow on top of a mountain and from there you have a 360 degree view of all the mountains in all directions towards Tennessee back towards the valleys of eastern North Carolina and I would take my daughter and all of our dogs and I would spend the entire day on that mountain And it's said there are certain places, it's not just said, this is actual research, there are certain places around the planet where the ley lines, where uh, the electromagnetic waves intersect and they create points where that are called vortices or the vortex, where there is a higher level of either electrical energy or magnetic energy or both. And in our area, we have dozens of them. When I'm sitting on that mountain, I feel that energy and I feel that peace and I would love just being there with my daughter and my dogs and I would probably go before sunrise, watch the sunrise, spend the whole day there 
and just spend my last day in peace and gratitude and laughter and probably a picnic with the dogs and maybe we run around a bit and wrestle in the grass and go pick some flowers and I'd probably stay to watch the sunset and the stars come out. And that to me would be the perfect ending of my last day on earth. As a fellow coach, I know you love challenges. <laughs> I want to challenge you that before you find out that memo, because for a lot of people, they don't get that kind of heads up. Uh, as soon as possible, go out to Max Patch. Go feel that energy. Grab your daughter, grab the dogs, grab your picnic basket, <laughs> and make a day of it. And, uh, Maybe showcase some of that on social media for some of the behind the scenes of Annie Bauer's life and not just what we see when you do have the perfect hair and the perfect makeup and everything else because it's absolutely stunning. Uh, so I want to I challenge you. Go, go do that sooner than later. Done. Challenge accepted. Challenge Paul. accepted, right? Uh, Annie, I want to acknowledge you. You are such an inspiration. I have taken so many notes and I thought that I had some good ideas about what, what I wanted to talk with you about from our first conversation. And we went to a, a, a lot of different areas that we hadn't talked about at all. Uh, authenticity and vulnerability are qualities of a leader. Embrace the lessons of life without living in the past where they occurred. All of these aspects. Uh, I've learned so much. Your wisdom your focus, your message, your service to the world. Annie Bauer, thank you so much for who you are, how you serve, and the, the momentum you are bringing into your future because you didn't live in the past. You didn't hang out playing that victim role from some of the stuff that happened to you. You took command, you learned from it, and you're moving towards the future. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much, Paul. I appreciate it. And I just feel, I want to say, I feel the love, the energy, the enthusiasm, the sincerity from, from you. You can just, you can feel it in every word and I see it in your eyes uh, here on video. And I appreciate being here and holding this space with you. It's such an honor. Well, thank you for that. Wrapping things up here, final question. Annie Bauer, what is your definition of take command my definition of take command this is going to be interesting i think you might find this interesting because it seems like it's an opposition to the words take command take command means letting go and not holding on so tightly So the, the paradigm is, is, is almost contradictory, and it sounds almost contradictory, that taking command really is in the letting go. Letting go of control that you think that you might have, letting go of perceptions that might be clouding your judgment, and not holding on so tightly. So interestingly enough that when flow occurs in our lives and when we're able to really lean in 
to taking command, being a leader, leading our families, leading our communities, inspiring others, serving others. It's in the letting go and learning how to be and just lean in. There you have it. Annie Bauer, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me here. It's been such a pleasure. Annie Bauer is amazing. Am I right? I really hope that you enjoyed this conversation. I am so proud to be able to connect with a woman of her caliber. If you also enjoyed this conversation, be sure to share it with your friends at paulgowan.com slash 012 or anywhere that you catch your podcasts. Text one friend. Tag me on Instagram at paul.gowan. Let me know what stood out to you the most. Start this conversation with your friend. And can you do me a favor? Leave me a rating and a comment, whatever that is. Let me know what you thought about this episode, what stood out to you the most. Give me something I can do to improve so that you can help me help others take command in their life. Thank you so much for being a part of this growing community. My mission is to continue to bring you the best information possible to help you grow faster and accomplish sooner. And if you're wanting help with that, then I encourage you to go over to paulgowan.com apply and complete a client application. I'm currently taking the applications. I have two spaces open left in my client studio and we are getting ready for some group coaching opportunities. So if this isn't time, uh, the best time for a one-on-one program for you, then still complete that application so you can get a jump start on the group coaching possibilities. I am so grateful for Annie Bauer. And remember what O.R. Melling said at the very beginning of the episode. When you come to the edge of all that you know, you must believe one of two things. Either there will be ground to stand on or you will be given wings to fly. And Annie Bauer shared with us how you can either develop that ground to stand on or take flight in the limitless belief in yourself. That wraps up today's Take Command conversation. You know what time it is. Get back out there, take command, and lead the life of your dreams.